Hello and welcome to Reading in the Piers. My name is Gary O'Brien and this is where I get some of my very good friends on to chat about and discuss all sorts of movies. And joining me today for the very first time, it's Emmett Farrell and he's here to talk about the 2014 black comedy drama Birdman or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. So stick around, we hope you enjoy. Now, ladies and gentlemen, what you just heard was the 40th time it took me to do that intro. Poor Emmett Farrell has been sitting there watching me flub my lines for about three days. It happens to the best of us, Gary. It happens to the best of us. It happens. It happens. And and you would know as being a, a, a an actor like yourself, Emmett. Listen, I, I have been one to fluff my lines many a time. That's a lie. I have never done that. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Emmett, Emmett being one of my most modest friends. <laughs> uh, great to be here, Gary. It's, it's been a... Oh, it is fantastic to have you it's been i would say it's been a a long time coming but i think it's just been me messaging and going we should do this and then it me just not getting back to you with with any shape or form of suggestion for a film or on the other hand just me just suggesting films left right and center i never actually (laughs) pick one so uh so here we are to be honest i i thought you were just like slowly listing your netflix out to me (laughs) on a weekly basis most of the most of the films i even suggested aren't even on netflix it was like have you seen this yeah yeah, i have (laughs) cool do you want to do it? And then nothing. Um, but here and then we, are. we should go for points sometimes. <laughs> yeah, we should. I, I can't believe this all started from an actual conversation over points. It did. It's 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 been a dream of mine to be able to record the bullshit conversations I've had with people about movies, specifically you. The many a times we've spoken about movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one movie we haven't talked about, and one movie I'm very excited to talk about, is it's only Birdman and the unex- or the unexpected virtue of ignorance. Okay. Um, so <laughs> why, so why did you pick this one? What 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 drew you to this? Well, I had to whittle it down. And um, some of the ones, my suggestions were already taken. So I was like, ah, oh, what we do? But this is possibly my favourite film. It's impossible to have a favourite film, but mm. it's definitely up there. Um, obviously, it's about actors. Um, but um, <laughs> um, but I, I saw it in the IFI uh, with a mate of mine. And I was like, I don't know that much about it. And, and I didn't see any trailers or anything. I was meant to see. I was like, this looks interesting. And I was just came over and I was like, that was like incredible. Um, yeah, and I, I've loved it ever since. It's it's just yeah, it's just so cool. Like, um, but yeah, that's why. Um, yeah, I agree. Like, I, it's weird. I hadn't seen it in a while. Like yourself, kind of when I saw it, I was kind of blown away. Um, and like you say, also, um, you can't have a favorite film. And I always list three. And, and this is and never even and them. even then, even then, you're like, oh even no, then, I should have said then. that. Yeah. Uh, but I honestly think this is actually in my top three uh, from watching yeah. it again it just made me realize how much i love it and because I, th- I think at the time there was a lot of hype around it and now the hype is cleared and it's still fantastic yeah. um so yeah definitely in my top three movies of all time um but i don't think it's probably something people would know like uh, people might know about it but they might not have seen it so mm-hmm. um is there any way you could uh, for the for the for the unfortunate people that haven't seen this movie or know what it's about do you care try and explain a bit of what it's about uh, I'll give it a go. Uh, Birdman or the Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. Um, I always forget that there's a subtitle to it, but it's about um, it's about Michael Keaton who's playing this like middle age to to later age actor, and he's like he he was like a really big star. He had like star of this uh, superhero franchise called Birdman, obviously, um, and he's put on sort of put on a play, put all his own money into it to put on a play on Broadway, and um, and his daughter's around. 
um, which he's just out of rehab. And then he like employs Edward Norton, who's like an up and coming, like really good actor. But um, the, the 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 production is just rife rife with uh, with um, unluckiness, if that's a word. <laughs> and um, it's the story of them like trying to put on put on the play. But um, it's also like an under narrative of like him coming to terms with him. I don't know, but his midlife crisis, I suppose, and him mm. not being relevant anymore and stuff. But it's, uh, yeah, it's really cool. I mean, the ending is, it's, the, we'll, the, we'll get to that we'll bit. Get but to that um, at some point, yeah. But it's all, it's all set. It's all like done, and the, the cool thing about it, it's all done like in one take. I think there's like seven breaks. I don't know if that's true. There's like a, there's a few breaks. It's kind of like what 1917 tried tried to do, but it's all done in like one take around the theatre. It's kind of shot like a play, which mm. is one of the reasons I love it so much. But yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of the story. Yeah. Um, I have here 16 visible cuts in the entire 16, film. 16. I, I was very um, wrong. <laughs> but yeah, like, like you, it's actually, I compl- kind of forgot that this had done this, uh, had done that style of um, one shot before 1917. Um, this is so much better. <laughs> yeah, opinion. it is. It is. I mean, I love 1917, but Dunkirk is better. Uh, con- controversial opinion there. Uh, but uh, yeah, I just think... Um, yeah, it's just really cool. And again, it's shot like a play. It's like watching a play. Yeah. And then it's about, it's also about a play. And I'm yeah. all about that meta. Yeah. Oh, I love a bit of, of, of meta. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I've never said it like that before in my life. But anyway, let's go. Did the Lear teach you that? Funny <laughs> <laughs> pronunciations gotta, of words. Gotta, <laughs> I'm there. Um, <laughs> no, they didn't actually. That's, that's yeah. something I've been fascinated with for a while. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, so, so what I'm gonna do is because this this has a fucking phenomenal cast, uh, and I'm gonna get the names of them wrong. So I'm just gonna quickly go through who's playing who, um, just because I'm yeah, gonna switch definitely. between the two. I, exactly. I can't remember. Um, so, you, like you said, there's Michael Keaton. <laughs> yeah. He plays this guy called Regan Thompson. Uh, he's the guy who's putting on this whole play. Regan Thompson, I think I might be pronounced. Um, then you've got Zach Galifianakis, who's kind of like his agent and his producer, and uh, he plays a guy called Jake. Then you've got Ed Norton, who plays Mike Shiner. He's this kind of like you mentioned, the up and coming actor. You've also got Andrea Riseborough, who plays Laura. Alburn who's in the play you've also got Amy Ryan who's also the wife of Michael Keaton's character she he, she plays Sylvia uh, Emma Stone plays Sam Thompson the, the daughter of Regan uh, you got Naomi Watts as Leslie Truman she is she's also in the play as well and I think after that not nothing really matters um, <laughs> no they're all they're, yeah. uh, except that guy who gets hit in the head with a life very early yeah, sorry uh, spoiler I, alert should I we have said even, spoilers at the start know. oh no they're always spoilers I said like people can listen at their own will <laughs> I think he's the, star the, he's the star of the show really the guy who gets uh, hit in anyway, the head sorry. <laughs> yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah one of my favourite moments um, yeah so like like you said I you it, it is all one take so I kind of read just some quick bits about like how they did that and a lot of it was done digitally um, and because but because the movie was so carefully rehearsed um, and shot in sequence uh, the editing only took two weeks for, for an entire like feature long film it's the only movie that's won an Oscar for best picture that was done entirely uh, shot entirely on digital and also I have here that the movie was largely set in this kind of Broadway theatre called the St. James Theatre and they had to the all the cast had to adopt this guy the director who I'm going th- this is the name I'm going to get wrong Alejandro G Inarito Inarito it's something like that oh, not too bad not too uh, bad how do you do you know how to say it I haven't a clue. The only thing I remember about his name is the fact when Sean Penn announced him as winning Best Oscar, he just he just his line was how the how the hell did this son of a bitch get a green card? And then <laughs> said the name of the film. I only saw that recently the day. Um, 
Yeah, I, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he won. Didn't he win Best Director for uh, The Revenant? This as well? and The, the Revenant. Next, I, the next wasn't that the next year? It was the next year, but I don't want to fucking yeah. talk about it because The Revenant was bullshit film. But look, we're not. I haven't it. seen it. We it's should bullshit. talk about the film. We'll talk about. We'll talk about the film. But I just want, the there's two things I want to make very clear, and I, we will talk about the movie at fucking some point. One, that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio is least deserving Oscar was The Revenant. Two, uh, the fucking best actor for uh, the category for this year for Birdman, Michael Keaton was nominated, didn't win because fucking bullshit. Eddie Redmayne. Eddie. I, I'm trying to say some anyway. bad words here, but I'm trying to censor myself. I hate him. I don't like him. We just I we just I had a conversation about Eddie Redmayne just no. prior to this. As yeah, well, I hate him. I hate him. Anyway, he's I really he's like Eddie Redmayne. hit with a brick. Anyway, moving on. So I have the I'm trying good. to say very, uh, Eddie Redmayne's very good for the record. I hate him. Um, um, basically, what happened is the cast had to learn 15 pages of dialogue at a time while also trying to be like practice their choreography as well all you should learn all your dialogue all the time but no they had to learn like 15 pages like at a time as in like because they they shot like sequentially so they had to learn 15 Mm. which is which is really interesting i didn't know they shot sequentially i actually i was talking to i had a a, a zoom thing with with tom von lawler a couple of weeks ago and um tom was saying that like if you do i asked him a question about shooting in sequence and not because i've not done any films and um i've only done plays and it's like if you don't, it's really hard to like find where it is. But I didn't know this was all shot in sequence, which makes it even so much better because it yeah. makes it makes it more like a play, and yeah. that's that's what we're talking about. So, anyway, I'm gonna stop interrupting. So speaking of, speaking of the play format, so it actually opens up um, with this weird like firebird going through the sky that we don't. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> Again, this is I forgot how the film starts. I was like, they're they're in a theater, they're in a theater. So oh, the start of it is weird. Yeah, yeah. Of course. well, you, well, actually, sorry, the, the, we can talk about it as well before we talk about the movie. Uh, because the first thing we kind of see is the uh, it's the it's the name it's a quote from the from uh, Ray Carver uh, done to oh, this yeah. drum score, and the drum score oh, the in this music. entire movie is we'll get phenomenal. into it. Um, but that's literally the first note I have here from watching the movie. The drum score is great. Uh, but how we're introduced to Michael Keaton's Regan is he's literally meditating in his room, but he's floating off the ground, which kind of introduces us to this kind of weird surreal element of the of the movie we don't know what's real mm. we don't know what's in his head we don't know what's actually happening um and it, you, it, you're just you're trying to figure out exactly what's going on from the very beginning yeah and this and this thing is so weird because i watched venom the other day right which i hadn't seen which is actually very good i really enjoyed it but <laughs> are there any other good movies we should talk about before we should talk about Batman? <laughs> <laughs> just gotta spend the whole thing talking about other films but like when like when I remember listening to an interview with Tom Hardy when he was talking about it and he was talking about how like it's kind of like legend where he's playing two characters but two mm. facets of the same personality and I forgot like just you mentioned that like when when Regan or Michael Keaton's character he does the voice he's got yeah. like this voice in his head and basically he's played he's played this uh, superhero called Birdman and mm-hmm. it's kind of like a throwback to when he played Batman but it's not Batman but it's kind of like it's a kind of about Michael Keaton's life in yeah. a weird way, but but anyway, so opens with him meditating, and it's like, oh, he. So the the premise or the or the conceit is that he is actually a real superhero, and he yeah. actually has real powers, and he's got like this voice in the back of his head that is the voice of the character of Birdman. Uh, but it's kind of like this really deep voice, and I think one of the first lines is, "How did we end up in this shithole?" Yeah, which is <laughs> sort of, <laughs> and one of the ones I brilliant. have here is, "He goes, it smells like balls in here." <laughs> <laughs> That's the second line. I think. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I thought I remembered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which but it's is kind really of like cool. a parody of 
Christian Bale's Batman voice. It's kind yeah, of that, like... Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really deep, isn't it? It's like, how do we end up? With I'm, I'm not going to try and do it again. My voice, gone. my voice is gone. Uh, I was going to do Alfred. I was going to say the Lamborghini then or something. Would you not? We should get the, the Lamborghini. I can't do my I was, got, I was watching the trip the other day with um, Rob Brydon. <laughs> <laughs> I was, actually. Can, I just wanted to see... Could you understand now why it was so hard for me to ever to film a movie? <laughs> um... But Rob Brydon and, and Steve Coogan are just doing impressions back now. Oh. Well, I got the Lamborghini then. So it's, I can't do it. I'm not going to embarrass myself, my my acting prowess. By trying to do it. Anyway, on with the original film. So talking what about. happens is they're in, he's in the dressing room. He then ends. But then there's a really cool shot where it goes to the mirror, goes back to him. But then he's like kind of he's getting up. So it's like you don't know. Was he just standing and he thought he was floating? Again, you start to kind of break this down. Mm. Um, yeah. And what he does is he gets called to the stage. Uh, Zach Galifianakis is there. He's like, come on, we need to get down. Mm. We need to get down. He was also awesome. very good in this, actually. Zach is really, very good. really good. And another thing yeah. I read was uh, he was the actor who fucked up the most when it came to like getting the lines wrong and stuff. But he, because he's a comedian, <laughs> he's so good at ad-libbing that they actually were yeah. able to keep a load of his fuck-ups in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so th- this is where we're kind of introduced the high high pace of this movie, the high, like, yeah. come on, we got to go here, we got to go here. And because you yeah. can really feel the one shot, you can feel the drums. Mm-hmm. And I've never been in a play. Um, that's no hint at all, Emma. You've been on my <laughs> podcast. Now you put me in one of your plays. Um, what it says, you kind of, you're going backstage, you're following everything. There's quick yeah. costume changes. You kind of get the feel. There's a rush to it. It's mm-hmm. Very energetic. So I, I feel like we're not going to... I think if we go at this pace, we could be here till next week with the plot. I'm going to jump around a bit. I'm going okay. to jump in here. Go but for there's, it. There's, I think, first of all, before we go any further, the music, we already mentioned it. Whoever's listening to this podcast, just go Google the you just YouTube the soundtrack to this. I don't know. I think he's... I think he's Spanish. I'm not sure what the drummer's name is, but it's all like... there is The orchestral score is really good as well, but... um. The drums start straight away and he's like going down the corridors and stuff and we get like this really good shot of like backstage. But like, I love like, I love when we go on stage and he's like, they mix the play's dialogue with the dialogue of the film. Like one of the bits is like, um, he says like, sorry, I'm late. Where are we? And and then they jump straight into the scene. And like that moment, when I was watching the first time, I was like, wait, if, if, which which lines of the play and which lines yeah. of the film, the dialogue? And then... um. I think we should fast forward, but I think basically, like, uh, the guy, one of the actors in the play is awful, um, is just terrible. Really and he's, like, doing the lines and, and Michael Keaton is just like, oh, Jesus, this guy is bad. <laughs> and he just gets really angry. No, I think he just, I think he's, doesn't he do angry and he gets really angry, he starts banging the table or something. And then, like, I think the Birdman, does the Birdman voice come in? I don't know. But anyway, I don't think so it comes in, but he just starts looking at a light and he starts yeah, staring he just, like, at it. He just looks at a light and the light falls and it hits him on the head. Like, that's a bit, like, I've li- I've had to rig and those lights are goddamn heavy. Like, they are heavy. And I could, man, that'd kill you. Like, it'd kill you. It really would. Like, and when yeah. that happened, like, I was not expecting that to happen. Watching this the first time, I was like, oh. And anyway, so he gets he gets concussed and he can't do in the play. And then Reagan just gets off and walks away. And he's like, oh my God, what happened? And then what I love about it is the treatment of time as well in this, because we never actually see any, the, the, the time just kind of passes without it you noticing. It just happens, yeah. Which is, which is how it happens when you're rehearsing a play. When it, and especially in a theatre, you're like, ah, you go in at 8am and then it's like, well, it's 10 o'clock the next night before you even know it. So, and it, again, it fits in with the one take. Like it just happens so mm. seamlessly as well. So he walks away and then he goes back up to his dressing room and then Zach Galifianakis and this, this, oh, sorry, I'm, I'm going to go on one here. They start talking about who to get in to replace your man. 
and they start naming actors. And then this way you get the undercurrent of like, obviously Gary, me and you love Marvel. We love Marvel. Like I think the last time we had a chat in a pub, a proper pub before COVID was uh, was when we were in uh, Barua and we talked about Endgame for like, I don't know, better <laughs> well, um, well, there was five other people at the table. <laughs> we were just like in the corner talking to ourselves. But the undercurrent for the whole film is this idea of like, like Marvel Studios kind of like 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 I'd use the phrase the bastardization of of Hollywood and cinema mm. becoming like just comic book movies like turning out comic book movies four or five a year I think it's only two or three a year but then you get into this Zach starts naming Zach Galifianakis starts naming actors and Michael Keaton's like can we get what about Jeremy Renner what, what, the, the Hurt Locker guy and he's yeah. like he's, in, he's filming the new Avengers and he's like damn they put him in a cape too and it's like this <laughs> undercurrent of like Michael Keaton is like trying to reclaim like acting and the acting as art form and the actor as yeah. an artist and and to get back to this idea of like this word here to tell stories but throughout the whole film is this undercurrent of like what Marvel is doing is wrong uh, mm. which is really interesting it's so subtle as well it's like, damn they put him in a cape too I'm going to let you come back in because otherwise this is going to be me talking for no 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 just... <laughs> it's interesting in a meta version of this in the, in the sense that this was before Michael Keaton went on to do Spider-Man Homecoming where he played a comic book villain. Yeah, and so he, also, it was he really... played the vulture which is a yeah, brilliant man. <laughs> exactly. Which is it's just beautiful on so many levels. Life is a but lie. It's, it's all a simulation. But it's, it's, anyway. it's, 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 great, it's great that he was like I fucking hate superheroes and he was Birdman and then he went to be a villain in a superhero movie where he could kill a superhero. Yeah. But what, what's, what I find really interesting about it is of course he's going to view that um like as as someone who's aged out of the role he used to play yeah, yeah, yeah. um but it's funny because he wants nothing more to go back to those days so it's quite it's kind of interesting because he's just like i hate this type of cinema mm-hmm. but only because he can't be a part of it anymore which is also kind of funny because he's coming back as batman in the mm-hmm. new flash movie but it but like yeah uh, it was so but it's just really funny that like he is just he hates it because he can't be a part of it um and I only and it's so strange because so many of the people in this movie I, no I say so many I think three three people three people are in a comic book movie you got Ed Norton was the Hulk um, Michael Keaton was Batman and Emma Stone was um, Gwen Stacy from Spider-Man as well yeah, so it's funny yeah. that they all signed on to a movie that was so anti-superhero movie as well yeah I think I think that's really interesting though and what I love about how it's not like it's not on the on the nose like it's not like mm. superhero movies are bad but it's like this and I think later on in it, they're like, we, damn, we could have, they did like a trilogy. And like, I think the Birdman voice says at one point that we could have went back for Birdman 4 or something yeah. uh, instead of doing this, this shit play. But also like, that's a good point then to bring in Ed Norton because after your man gets, gets, um, gets hit in the head with the light, he's like, the time kind of passes. He's in a dressing room. He's having a conversation with the wife or something in the dressing room or something. I don't know. And like Zach, Zach Galifianakis knocks on the door and he's like, oh, Naomi Watts character is like, has had a relationship with him or something and she comes to the door with Zach Galifianakis I'm just this is all coming back to me in the moment I haven't watched it in like a year and um, and uh, she's like we get Mike, we can get Michael Sheen and he's like oh my god yeah brilliant and that's Ed Norton's character and that scene is so good when when he comes down and he meets him it's so good it's so good because you might because you like kind of think he's such an asshole as well he's he such goes, I have been here Ed Norton's an asshole he's, very, he's wearing a trilby and like he's got like a scarf and he's like literally just taken off the set of inside the actor's studio <laughs> on the stage uh, but it's really great because cool. he's like okay let's run some lines off page and Ed Norton's kind of like oh pick any page I'll just naturally go off oh it. yeah <laughs> and, he already knows the whole and play and he knows the whole play um, <laughs> which is where 
when you get to think you're kind of made believe that oh my god this guy's the fucking shit he's a really yeah. good professional actor um yeah and then it's only later on a bit you realize um <laughs> he might not be but it's it, it's very good in the sense that when you see that scene of the two of them acting that's like one of the best scenes in the movie in my opinion because yeah it's it really just is. so raw because you're seeing not only it's it's great because you're seeing two actors where one is playing the guy who wrote it and the other guy is someone who's read it and loves it and the actor is making the other actor better at acting. But really what happened was the two actors acted as if one actor was telling the other actor to act better so he could act better as an actor. And it yeah, just, it's, but like, it's as, so like, good. I don't know how, I th- I'd love to do like a Bing count like we did in the World's Weekly video of how many times to say actor in this. <laughs> but like, the thing about as an actor watching that as well is like so cool because like that's what and when they finally get into it and I love the bit where like they change the script in the moment as well yeah. and it's like, but you've got like four lines there like I didn't know the guy I never met him I only saw him like make it work with one line you didn't know the guy that's the point and then and then Michael Keaton kind of gets a bit frustrated and he's like well I didn't fucking know the guy like what's the problem it's like and then the type of love that I'm talking about, you don't kill people and then like there's a great moment when they finish it and they kind of just both like raise their eyebrows at each other and just look at each other <laughs> and, and uh it's it's really good and um ah oh, yeah just i just remember watching it and i was like that's yeah so cool like so so cool it's a real like it's a real actor's film as well which is it's it's that's what i love about yes 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 as i as i yes. swish my my silk scarf over my shoulder <laughs> yeah and just i did think it was me. quite hypocritical of you but <laughs> that you are there in a trilby yeah i did order one online the other day <laughs> um it's got a feather in it no that's a lie uh it's it's our, I, I already have one anyway uh <laughs> but um yes Emmett, Emmett, there's literally like i know there, there's two things people are being robbed from the missing the zoom it's emma's hilarious hands gestures that are that i carry through and two there is a literal motherfucker fucking trill trilby on his bookshelf hanging in the top left corner um it's for show girl it's for show yeah yeah, yeah. A, a lot of my, my lovely poster of uh of, of the main man himself lawrence olivier playing richard the third there as well listen we should just write this movie anyway yeah back to the- <laughs> so ed norton's a prick and how we know that is he just gets full-on naked in front of uh, yeah, emma stone, emma stone. Like he goes down, he straight, he straight away goes down after that thing to get a costume fitting. And Naomi Watts' character comes in, they're talking away and stuff. And then we get introduced to, to Emma Stone there, who is brilliant, who's so good in this. Um, no, I was just gonna say, Emma Stone, he, Emma Stone walks him down, and then she's like in the corner, and then Naomi Watts comes in, he's naked, they're naked, and she's hiding in the corner. And then Naomi Watts comes in, and it's just like, Oh, have you seen uh, Regan's like daughter around? Oh, she's the worst, but she says worse things than that. But like, eventually they offend, it's not really important, but basically, she fucks off. Main thing is, Ed Norton, then the two of them are alone, and Ed Norton goes, Play with my balls. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that, yeah. <laughs> yeah and then you're like oh he might not be an okay dude he might not be okay dude i think he, yeah and then um yeah it's really cool but emma stone like yeah it's kind of she's like really like she's like really dreary eyed and stuff and she's like just out of rehab and stuff but she's like helping regan or michael keaton i'm gonna use the actor's names because it's gonna it's gonna yeah, confu- yeah, i'm gonna confuse it. myself yeah. um yeah. but she's like helping him do the play and stuff but um and then uh there's a bit where like uh Michael Keaton and Zach Galifianakis talk as like, we can't afford Michael she- or Edward Norton's character, and they're like, I- and then Michael Keaton like gets real with Zach and was like, you didn't see what I just saw, and he's like, <laughs> you didn't, you weren't there, and it's like we need this guy, and then again time swaps and it's like he's doing the costume fitting, and then we go straight into like the preview or something 
I think. Yeah, so it's a, I think the, the, roughly what happens is they go back to the stage somehow and they, they've, it's just a shot mm. on the stage, but then the lights on the stage change to like how they would be during a show. Yeah. And then we're just into the preview. Yeah. Um, and, and what happens is Michael Keaton walks on with a bottle we don't really know. <laughs> what, what they say. He's like, hey, is he tricking... Is he drinking real gin? He walks out with another bottle. Well, no, he's, a, no he's already on stage, isn't he? Like, they're in the middle so of the no, scene. So, Norton's, Ed Norton's on stage. Yeah. And then Michael Keaton has to walk on. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like we, so, they're basically doing the scene we'd seen. Uh, they were pra- rehearsing But Yeah, initially. but they're performing it now, yeah. Uh, that's brilliant. Because he says to the stage manager, doesn't he? The st- uh, is it the SM or the ASM? I'm not going to get technical with stage manager terms. Um, but anyway, the stage manager's like, with the script, and he's like, how is he? And he's like, he's phenomenal. And then... He's drinking real gin and he's like, oh God. And he goes on and he brings a bottle of fake gin on. And then in the middle of, they're doing the scene, it's really, really good. And then Michael Keaton has this like a really cool monologue. Um, and he like comes out to the fore of the stage and the lights on him and stuff. And it's like really, and again, this is where the really nice orchestral soundtrack comes in. And then Michael Keaton's in the back going, oh shit, damn it, oh, no, damn it. Ed, Ed could, Norton's in the background. Oh, sorry, Ed Norton's in the background doing that and... Like we're like trying to focus on Michael Keaton doing this monologue, but then in the back you just Did hear, you replace my gin? <laughs> like you got and then he just like and then he just has a meltdown on in the middle it. of the preview. It's like everything's fake, everything's fake. Look at this chicken, look at that, and then and then he's like this he goes to the fridge and like the only thing that's real on stage, like this fake fruit, but he finds like a, a chicken leg yeah. in the fridge. It's like, the only thing real here is this chicken leg. I'm gonna act with this chicken leg. <laughs> and then uh, he like comes out to the audience, tells him all to fuck off or something. And then the curtain comes down, and then he like afterwards he comes up to Michael Keaton. And he goes, "I thought that went well. That went pretty. Good. I thought that went pretty good." <laughs> and this is where we start to think that like, oh, maybe Edward Norton, as good of an actor as he is, he might actually just be a bit demented, uh, because basically his whole thing throughout the movie is that everything needs to be authentic and everything needs to be real, uh, including sex scenes. Uh, but we'll get. Oh, to we'll that get to later. that. I forgot about that as well. Oh, brilliant. Um. <laughs> This is where the movie kind of this is where the, it's not fillers, but so much is where we get kind of strengthening of the characters. Yeah, we get some really cool stuff. like duologues with characters. Like there's a couple of with mm. like my, uh, Edward Norton and Emma Stone on the roof, and then mm. there's like um, there's some cool stuff with um, you know Regan uh, with a potential pregnancy scare with someone else who's in. Oh the, yeah, in yeah, the thing. yeah. I I I think w- w- my biggest thing from this was. Um, we really understood Keaton's desperation and it, knowing it was his last shot to get this yeah. and it had to work. And now with Regan being here, complicating things, like he was like, fire him. I want him out. I don't want him here. And then yeah, so we, we've like, staked everything. No, you told me you had to get this. We have like, so it's really about him trying to make this work, get it to work. He has to do this press. Like there's these, um, okay, this press junket in his, yeah. in his, in his dress There's, there's room, a couple of foreign, foreign journalists and they're like, the bird, the, I'm not going to do the accent, but Birdman, Birdman, and yeah. he's got like the poster on his wall and stuff. But like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to remember now because that, that middle bit is actually a bit hazy for me now and I'm like, there yeah. is a couple of strong duologues in there but like, uh, I think we, uh, there's a, there's a bit in, there's a, a duologue with him and the wife and he's talking about, um, oh, it's that later on when they're talking about the plane crash it's in just George. Before, yeah, it's just That's before. what's just before the last scene, isn't it? Yeah. But, um, um, no, but I, th- I think what's good in this bit is, um, I haven't written down anyway, it's just Emma Stone kind of pretty yeah. much bringing her dad. To, it's it's not the big speech she has, but it's just like, cop the fuck on. Nobody knows who the fuck you are. You oh, yeah, I think that's a bit later Facebook. on, but that's a great scene. But the, yeah, it, it's just this where we understand that this guy is like, oh, the world hates me, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, no, you just won't embrace it. Yeah. And you won't like just play the game. Like Hollywood... It is is a game you need to play if you want to be successful in it, and you got to do a couple. Like you, you need to like 
do your interviews and you need to like have ha- Instagram hashtag the whole thing and he just refuses to do that because it's it's great there is one thing where he was um actually it's it's one he says popularity is the shitty co- cousin of prestige yeah which is a great line there's some great there's some great lines in this but uh, one of the one of the best uh, one of my favorite scenes is with I think there's two different ones where they're on the roof Edward Norton and Emma Stone and um, it's great because you see that that famous street in New York I've never been but like Phantom Phantom of the Opera is on across the road in like the really prestigious yeah. theater and they're like on the roof and stuff and they're and they're chatting away and um, I don't know it's 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 really interesting because like Emma like uh, all of the people in the in the, I would say play but all of the people in the film have like this. They're all going through some form of like midlife kind of crisis or moment of crises in their lives. Like Michael Keaton is like is a has been trying to reclaim his his talent and himself his art. Like Emma Stone's coming out of rehab. Michael Sheen is like at the start of the film like thinks he's infallible, so but Mike, the, it's Michael Shiner. Michael Shiner. Re- I keep saying the Michael re- Sheen. The only reason I'm correcting you is in that in case people think that Mike, <laughs> British Michael British actor Sheen. Michael Sheen is in this movie. That's the only thing that can make this film better. It put Michael Sheen in it as well. Um, so Mike Shiner and Emma Stone. <laughs> the character of Mike Shiner and just the real Emma Stone are on the roof. Uh, so Ed Norton. I'm going to stick to the, the actor names because this is ridiculous. They're on the roof and they're having a chat and some really nice scenery and stuff. You can see that really famous street from New York and stuff in the background, which is really cool. Um, mm. And I don't know how much time passes. I think we go from like the first preview down to the second preview. What goes wrong in the second one again? Something else goes wrong. So, um, so what, what happens in the second preview is, um, like I mentioned... Um, it's not, not the third one because there's four previews and then there's that. opening night. Cut scene. Um, so the first one, I think it's... The um the drunk he gets drunk. The second one I think is it's um it's the boner. The third one is yeah. it's the he gets stuck outside and he has to try and get back in. And then the fourth one is the one the real one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it the second preview. So this is the one where pretty much um Ed Norton and Naomi Watts are in bed. There's like this scene where um. Michael Keaton's gonna come in and interrupt, but Mike Ed Norton's like, let's be really authentic. Let's yeah. let's do it for real. And and then she's like, haha, no. And then he kind of full on goes for it. And it's this re- and it's it, it's it's an interesting scene because like there's this this thunder and lightning like signifying it's a great danger scene. I want I want to say after watching the film, like I want to see the play. Like I've got <laughs> I've got it on my bookshelf. Oh, yeah. I want to read it, but I want to see it as a play. Um, but anyway, sorry, I interrupted. Um, no, no, no. And then there's just, and then yeah, this Ed Norton's a creep. But like the thing about it, like I know we spoke about undercurrents and undertones about it, but like there's so many of the, so much of that going on, like especially with like like Ed Norton's character getting drunk for real on stage, and like this idea of like of like trying to find like oh like like I hate it like as an actor like. <laughs> it's gonna have to. No, 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 tell me. Well, as, as an, an actor, actor myself. As an actor. But like all these stories. Get your fucking trivial. <laughs> But like, can you say Trilby again? You even pronounce it wrong. Uh, Hello and welcome to... I'm here. <laughs> um, take 49. But like this idea of like, of like actors, like trying to be like real 
and like, oh, let's make it like really real. Like, I can't say Jackman, Jackwin, Jackwin is Jackwin Phoenix. Like, Yakwin, I can't say his first name. Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin, whatever. Joaquin, 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 Joaquin Phoenix. Right, all the horror stories about him on set during Joker. Now, I love Joker. Mm. Great film, brilliant performance, amazing. But the guy is not okay. Like you look at any of again, this, we're talking about another film here, but it goes. Uh, yeah, I, do you know what I'm gonna do? Uh, sorry, another side tangent. You mentioned about the bings every time we say actor. I'm gonna put a bing in for every time we mention another movie that's not Birdman. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. But like, it's, like apparently there was a story about like the scene where he like killed your man against the fridge and stuff. You know that fight scene in the film? Yeah, yeah. Um, apparently he didn't. They didn't. Co- he improvised all the fight scenes. You, that's not oh. okay. You cannot do that. And the bit where he gets hit with a car. That was improvised as well. And it's like, so obviously on a set you have you have safe drivers. So you have uh, yeah. uh, people or stuntmen or whatever they are driving the cars trying to not hit the actors, obviously. Mm. Like, you can't walk out in front of a car of like, imagine like the, the actor person, I don't know what they're called, the people who are driving those cars. And yeah. you think you've hit the actor, but like it's actually part yeah. of the scene. And it's like, and then if you listen to any of his speeches when he won Best Actor, how many, many times he won it, but like, the guy is not okay. Like he's clearly emotionally unstable, and he like he needs to talk to someone. And then it goes. Yeah. That's what that's what I love about this is like they're commenting on that when you see Edward Norton getting drunk for real on stage, and like he feels like that's what he has to do to like to get into character and do it real. Like that's not what the craft is. Like that's not what it is. It's not that. And then feeding into the the second preview where he tries to have sex with Naomi Watts' character on stage. Like, again, so many undercurrents of of all of this really serious institutional abuse that is going on in the industry. And and, and it's like, that's not okay as well. And it's it's put in the light because... It's it's it isn't okay, and Michael Sheen, Michael um, Shiner, sorry, really represents like that whole like old school institution of like this is what yeah. acting and and like Stanislavski and like like this the method and stuff. And I, I'm not I'm not really a fan of that, which is again why I love the film so much, and it kind of debunks all that and kind of casts like a really critical eye on it, which is which is so so needed, um, especially in when when Joker comes out what like four or five years after this and you get all these horror mm. stories but then it goes back to the idea of like I think afterwards Naomi Watts goes into the dressing room with with the other actor I, I don't know the actor's name she's brilliant though and and they're like she's like like this is supposed to be my dream like I'm on Broadway doing a play and and it's like uh, do I have no dignity and you're an actor and like the, the line like you're an actor honey you don't have any dignity and stuff and it's like I don't know if I agree with that scene. It's kind of interesting. And then they end up kissing as well, which is kind of really yeah. out of the blue, which is really odd and weird. Mm. And then Michael Keaton's character comes in and is like, hope you're all right and stuff. But then it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 that's what I love about it. Like all those, the the social commentary that's going on in the film yeah. is so like uh, under the surface and it's not like in your face, which is really, really cool. Uh, and when again, you think about it, like this, this came out, you know, two years before the whole Me Too movement as mm. well. Um, yeah. So, like, obviously, obviously, oh, yeah. the industry knew about that sort of shit, but like, this kind of being this sort of like shitty things fucking happen in this town. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's. Um, I'm just like those things are just wrong and, and shouldn't happen. And 
again, like, um, I mean, it's funny to watch. Like, it's, I think in the scene, like, Ed Norton's character has a, has yeah. a massive erection. And, like, <laughs> Michael Keaton is, like, the serious climax of the play. And he, like, bursts into the door. And, like, his wife is cheating on him or something. I don't know what, what's actually happening. But, like, yeah, I think so. and then he has a gun. And he's like, shut up, shut up. And everyone's laughing in the audience because Ed Norton has a, a massive erection, which is funny to watch. Like, I'm not condoning yeah. what's going on at all. But that is hilarious to see. And then he, like, hits him in the face with the gun. And the audience shuts up and stuff. But, like... Um. Yeah, and then they go to a bar. They go to the bar after it, don't they? That that's what happens next, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, so yeah, and then one of the other things that's just I suppose important to just uh, highlight is that uh, Ed Norton goes, "Hey, if you're gonna point a gun at me, make sure it's a make sure it looks like a real fucking gun." I can oh see yeah, the I can tip, see the orange tip, the tip at the end of the barrel. Yeah. yeah. Um. So that comes in a bit later, but yeah, they go to a bar and he's kind of like they've they've made up a bit. It's great how much because Regan depends on. Um, Mike Shiner so much well, he, can't, he, he can't just not to, he just has he to just get has on with him doesn't he yeah. I know um, that feeling <laughs> no one in the Lear no one in are, the Lear <laughs> you are the Ed Norton to my Michael Keaton <laughs> I, I produce write and direct this and then I've got you being like no <laughs> let me just talk Gary let me just talk about the film uh, or any random things um, no but like that's that is true like if you're if you're making work or, or, or trying to create something or, 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 or in something with people you don't necessarily get on with, um, and I've I've done it uh, like I've done it in the past and stuff, and it is really difficult. And you have to trust that you're professional that when you get on stage that because when you're on stage like you you that person has to have your back, like you have yeah. to have complete trust. And you just see like this really weird negotiation of like he can't trust him because the first time they go on stage he gets drunk, second time he gets you know sexually inappropriate. Isn't there a bit where he like, like he gets a, a tanning bed because he thinks his character's yeah, a redneck? That's yeah, hilarious. Sort of are, yeah, he's like, like I need, I need a tan. Uh, Zach Galifianakis is like, oh, by the way, there's a tanning bed being. It's like, why? Because he says his character's a redneck, which just it just increases this ridiculous nature yeah, of Ed Norton's just character. Just gas as well. As as ridiculous as Ed Norton's character is, like he knows a lot about the industry. He knows about the fresh. He knows how to do a good play. And one of the like in the scene where they go to the bar, like you mentioned, um, he kind of walks him through, like, look, this is how it's going to go. That person sitting at the end of the bar is going to make or break your play. And it's this uh, New York Times arts section film critic, a play mm. critic. Or What's that critic? actor's name? Because she is phenomenal. She is brilliant. She's an old school actor, I think. Uh, Lindsay Duncan. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what else she's been in. Uh, I, uh, she's, oh, she's I'm in Sherlock. Quick. She's in Sherlock. She's like uh, what, yeah. She's, she she's Lady Smallwood in Sherlock. yes. She is Lady Smallwood, and her and uh, Mark Gates's character, uh, Mycroft, are having a fair secret affair, aren't they? Ah, uh, that's it. Yeah. We should no, do. We should do a full podcast on Sherlock. Sorry, you're gonna we have me do on a full every podcast. <laughs> what we need to do is we need to do a podcast where we say we're gonna talk about one movie and talk about. <laughs> multiple series and films after yeah but yes they're in the bar she's very cold she's very like i'm like well, she's, she's a bitch. very like she's a she bitch. is a bitch she just she is unnecessarily cruel to poor michael keaton and it's in this scene where we see his motivations to why he wants to do this play oh yeah it's because he was he had he had done a version of it uh, in college or something and the actual guy who wrote the short story gave him a napkin that said yeah. like good job who, really, who's that really gary who, what you did. Who, who wrote the story <laughs> he checks the check the screen. It's uh, Raymond Carver. I'm, I'm just Raymond. Raymond Carver. I was going to say Ray Carver. Ray it's Carver. Raymond, sorry, apologies. But like, I was, oh, fuck it is Ray. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, but like th- th- that's really. Co- I forgot about that. And it's like what? Because what's the Eddie, name of the story? Uh, what we talk about when we talk about love. Boom. Um, 
<laughs> Sorry, I got way too excited about it. Every time I get the chance to prove Gary wrong or prove myself right, it's t- is, a, is a fine day for me. Cause it, was a, it was a classic Trilby drop moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really slow as well because the wind kind of caught it and just took it down. Yeah. <laughs> and then the feather falls out of it and falls oh, even God. slower than the hat. Uh, but the anyway, thing, tell the me thing about, about this. Like, so I forgot about this because Ed Norton is like, why Carver? Like, why why do an adaptation of a short story by Raymond Carver? And then finally we learn why. And it's like, um, they were doing some Carver short story. Michael Keaton was in a play when he was in school or college or whatever. And Raymond Carver was sat in like the front row or whatever. And he, he set like a napkin backstage. And what's on the napkin? I don't, I can't remember. Obviously, I haven't seen the film in a year, Gary. You watched it last night, so. Uh, thank you for an honest performance, Ray Carver. Yes, that's what it is. And like that, that's so interesting because like, for me as an actor. <laughs> oh, ladies and gentlemen, Sorry, he's put was, on the trilby yeah. again. Um, I really don't like how this podcast is painting me. I really don't like it. Um, I'm, I'm not, well, no, I am. You're sitting there, you're sitting there with a gold wanker. So, I was going to say, you're sitting there in a gold chain and an Arsenal jersey. I mean, you could it's a look silver, more. It's a silver chain. It's, I could not look more from um, what I want to be. Anyway, um, the, the the thing about it is, is like like when we're, when we're speaking in classes and stuff and, and, and doing things, it's all about like honesty and truth. And was that truthful? Like, is that actually how you would react to that thing? Or is that how your character would react to that thing re- realistically? And like, what what's... And, so like the, the idea being like, don't be sincere because like, or, or like this idea of appropriate emotion, like, like when people are funerals and stuff, you're not sad. Like you're not just sat there like being really sincerely sad and stuff and like that. But like, it goes back to that first scene with Ed Norton and Michael Keaton when your man, the other guy who gets hit in the head with the light is like doing it like really, he's like not overacting. Like your man's probably okay actor, but he, it's like not, he's doing it too sincerely. Whereas yeah. if you're like, if you're at a funeral, like that the, the the appropriate emotion is not to actually be sad. It's like you're either angry or you're laughing your ass off or it's all these other things that are going on. Like, so yeah. that idea of like, thank you for an honest performance really makes sense. Why? Like, like Keaton's character thinks that this is why he wants to do Carver and like him, like being an actor and stuff. It's just like, that's why we're in the business. That's, that's, that's the job, like to tell stories and to tell stories honestly and truthfully and, and to make the audience go away with a sense of that, which is interesting. So that was a long tangent on just that call. But it's nice to, to talk about a film, talk about a film that actually like comments and has so many references to the thing that like, because obviously I'm, I'm still in the middle of my training. Like I'm literally at the very, very halfway point. Um, you're, already at, you're already at level one trilby. Le- yeah, got, I mean, you got to level up. different levels. I it's don't like, karate, like, this, I don't like this recurring joke that we've, we've, we've kind of latched onto. Um, <laughs> level one trilby. Um, uh, yeah, you, when, you go, when you graduate, you actually get given a proper trilby and a proper scarf. And a, a yeah, when you get blade. to level three, when you get tweed to level blazer. three, uh, three trilby, you get to travel five outside your five. It's almost like it's almost like a, a tongue twister. Level three, yeah, level trilby. three. Level um, three anyway, trilby. Um, anyway, this movie. What also? Sorry, <laughs> what also happens in, in the what film? What else happens in this movie? So, well, yeah, uh, I, I, I also I have written down here that um, Ed Norton steals Regan's reason to to why oh, he yeah. wants to do Carver. So that's like that more. Happen? That happens after the bar scene. So then they read in the newspaper that because yes. he had an interview with the art section. Yeah. Um, so this then is this the bit of... where he goes to the the the, the tanning bed. 
Yeah. Sorry. I get and then very uh, yeah, he get, he he gets him out. He gets him out, uh, which is oh, which is also which brilliant. is one of the, it's. Well, I don't have much to say about it other than the fact that it's the second. It's one of many scenes we just see people in their underwear in this movie. <laughs> Again, it goes back to the idea of what Naomi Watts says of like we don't have any act. Like that's. I'm not saying you. Everyone's got to wear their underwear backstage, but it's like. That that's kind of like if you're in the dressing room and you're in the backstage. Nice. <laughs> I'm trying to get Gary to, to become an actor, um. But like that idea of like, uh, I don't know. Again, it's maybe it's a myth. I don't know. Like, uh, of the idea of like you don't have any, you don't have any dignity as an actor. And again, yeah, strangely, it's kind of like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Another film we're not talking about. Once upon, uh, but like, <laughs> but all those moments with the feet in that film is really interesting. But like, yeah, there's so many scenes in this where people are just in their underwear. So like, um, they're having a fight and, and Michael Keaton is like, how dare you do press without me and stuff. And it's like that. And they like having like a really scrappy fight. And then all of a sudden Keaton just like flicks this switch and he just starts talking about his dad and like how his dad used to beat him. And he like just this amazing like thing. And it's like, oh Jesus. And Ed Norton's guy's like, oh my God, man. I'm, I'm so sorry. That's that's fucked up. Like that shouldn't have happened. And then Keaton swaps. And he's like, yeah, you see, you're not the only ones a bit crazy. It's like, <laughs> oh, you've got something going on. It's so funny. Like it's so funny, but so good. And then uh, uh, he's like, don't fuck with me, Mike. Don't fuck with me. It's like, whoa, whoa, that's, calm down. That reminded me of the scene from 1990, 1989 Batman. Bing! You know, <laughs> <laughs> Shit, <laughs> which is um, a great movie as well. You I'd love Jack to see Nicholson. the list. Of, what? Did you ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What a line! Brilliant, one of the best <laughs> lines in any film. Uh, right, ever. but in that movie, Michael Keaton. In that no, in that movie, Michael Keaton is playing Bruce. Is playing Bruce Wayne because his true identity is Batman. But that's a whole other thing. Yeah. And what happens is he has to try. He has to try and pretend to be Bruce Wayne, reacting to the Joker walking into a room. Not how Batman would do it. And he then gets like a fire poker and like smashes a vase, and he's like, "Do I get nuts?" let's get nuts and it's this most out of place scene in the entire movie but it just reminded me in this movie where he goes you want to get nuts let's get nuts that's good that is good and i I think that i think that's good because it's a great character moment as well of him realizing that this is the way to to kind of get one over on him uh, as well which is cool uh which is which is really a really cool character scene um and then they get to the third preview. Oh, I know what happened. Yeah, then we this then we're the getting to... this the final. This so the final preview. After that scene, I think Ed Norton's character goes back up onto the roof with Emma Stone, and then they end up having playing a game of Truth or Dare, and she like spits on some guy on the yeah. street, which is really weird. And then they end up they end up having sex, um, like on top of like the lighting rig or something. Yeah. Um, which though again, I can't actually remember the dialogue of those scenes, but they're actually really really good. Um, I it's because you, you want the why, and I think that's why I legit forget some of the dialogue in this movie. Do you want to know what, mate? Sorry, it's I had to get Barney Rapids in. I had to get Barney Rapids in. Do you want to know what? I'll fucking tell you what, mate. Um, I had to get one in. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know what? Because it's honest dialogue. It is honest dialogue between these two characters, but, and nothing's remarkable because but, it's so honest. But the, at the same time, they're both playing roles they're both playing different versions of themselves so like emma stone is like performing this this girl who's just come out of rehab and like is talking to the the the, the kind of up-and-coming famous actor but at the same time uh ed norton is like playing the role of the famous actor and they're not i think the first time we see them together they're playing very much those roles and then yeah. the second time that the guys at the performance of that starts to drop slightly and we start getting that like who the who they are as people, but at the same time mm. we never really get there because they're too busy performing the yeah. their, their 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 
ex- assigned roles in society, which is really again, again, we're going, we're going really yeah, for, far uh, spectrum the, on this. <laughs> with, with, yeah, well, another thing I want to mention is apparently um, this movie kind of about Regan and. Um, Shiner being like exaggerated versions of Keaton and Norton because Norton is notorious is known to be quite difficult on set yeah. and quite the pain in the ass uh, so that's why that's why he was so happy to lean into this because he was like um, he was great he, it's so easy he's great in it but uh, it's funny because M- Michael Keaton uh, is trying to play himself but it's weird because I don't know if this quote's true, but he says it's the it's the hardest role he's played because the personality of the character was so dissimilar to anything he's ever played before. And I'm like, how are you not used to playing a disgruntled a disgruntled old Hollywood actor who was was once a superhero and is quite bitter about it and still wants to be that superhero? <laughs> this guy, Michael Keaton, literally goes around telling people he's Batman on a regular basis. He was at a graduation speech. He said, "I'm Batman." He hosted SNL. He said he was Batman. But the thing he about- is now back as Batman. I'm like, he's the but same the thing guy. about that is the thing about that is like we get told all the time is like when you get cast or something if you get cast as something that's very similar to who you are as a person you need to start with all the dissimilarities and focus okay. on them if you get cast as something that is completely far afield from who you are you have to focus then on the similarities and I think like I think Ed Norton definitely would have won the Oscar for best supporting actor had not wait for it oh, <laughs> J.K. Simmons won it for Whiplash <laughs> what a film I think that was one of the other ones we were going to do um, yeah. what a film Whiplash but like mm. the idea again going back to Ed Norton and stuff like the, he actually if you listen to him speaking about acting and, and the craft and stuff it's really interesting because it's like he's still terrified of it and stuff there's actually a great interview mm. it's not as inside the actors it's, it's something else it's really interesting anyway Getting back to the film, I would just say, to... I would just say, in the words of in the words of J.K. Simmons' character from Whiplash, <laughs> we're dragging. That's what we're doing. Right now. We're, were you rushing or were you dragging? <laughs> uh, what a film! Um, so, we... final pre- is this the final fun, preview? Fun it's fact, not, it... sorry, oh, fun Jesus fact. Christ. <laughs> fun fact. Oh my god! Tell me, how are you going to link this to Mary Poppins now? Go on. <laughs> I actually saw Whiplash and Birdman back to back. I saw Birdman. Oh, okay. I saw Birdman the night before I went to... I was so buzzed after seeing that. And that's uh, another fun fact. Uh, I don't do fun facts. I don't, I never say that phrase, but I just think it is. That was the one year that I've seen, I saw all eight films nominated for the Oscar. And ah. I cannot tell you, wait for another film to be mentioned, Foxcatcher was garbage. terrible. Garbage what terrible movie. Film. What an garbage. awful film. Like, I'm so happy because I... I, I I never forget. I went to this I went to this movie uh, with my good friend David Scanlon and my other good friend who you also know. Wait, Luke another McMaltis. film of and, oh no, yeah, this, you the told film, me this Foxcatcher. I'll never forget the main memory me and my friend David have from this movie. This is so far from Birdman. Is that our friend Luke? We got these like Monday meal <laughs> deals where Why you get a large it? drink. Uh, movies at Dundrum shout out okay. can you please sponsor us uh, and you got popcorn <laughs> and a large drink and we, me and David went for the la- popcorn but our friend Luke went for the nachos and they fucking stunk <laughs> it was these like super cheap and we just it's literally that's my fondest Luke memory of Foxcatcher that's a Luke move oh god what <laughs> but a- this movie fucking yes. hell Birdman <laughs> final preview night what? What? it's the one before the critics yeah go on interrupt me go on motherfuckers what you to <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no! I want, I want to be the one to talk about this. I want to be the. Uh, uh, Kill surprise. <laughs> <laughs> um, fuck! What were we talking about? Oh no, the, the last final preview. preview. No, I got it. I got it. I got it. <laughs> no, we're I talking about it. whiplash. <laughs> 
Also, theory of everything. Final preview. I did say theory of everything was on that year. So, but I'd love to know that the, the amount of films, the other films you mentioned. Anyway. Uh, okay, here, just to just to add up the tally. Uh, the other things nominated for Best Oscar that year yeah. for Best Picture was American Sniper, Boyhood, The Grand Budapest Hotel, The Intimidation Game, Selma, The Theory of Everything, yeah. Whiplash, and Birdman, which one? Yeah, uh, amazing year. Right, the final preview scene. Last preview scene. Sorry, very, very quick tangent. Oh, Jesus what, <laughs> what a year for films, though. What a year for films. Oh, the best year for films. Unbelievable. Um, yeah. Everyone thought Boyhood was going to win. Was going to win. Was going to win. It could suck it. Boyhood, garbage movie. Garbage. Didn't like it. Didn't like it at no. all. Took him 17 years to make it. Shouldn't have made it at all. <laughs> this took this took fucking like what like two weeks to fucking it's like, edit. Come it's on, like mate. The, it's like this podcast just taking us three weeks <laughs> to try and record it. We shouldn't have done it at all. Anyway, final preview. Fourth preview. Um, final preview. They're in the middle of it. Uh, we see Emma Stone and Ed Norton having. Oh, we don't see them having sex, but they go down like onto the lighting rig, and then we like do a kind of time swap, and the camera does a really cool thing. Comes down into the final scene again. Where it's like the weird dream sequence with trees, which I love. He's like, we spent all the money. Zach Galifianakis has a line earlier in the film where he goes, we spent all the money on the goddamn dream sequence with those floating trees. And it's just like people carrying cardboard trees. Regan, Michael Keaton's about to go on. But he's like, I can't do this. I, I, um, he's like, he see, oh no, he sees Ed Norton and Emma Stone up in the balcony, up in the rig. And he's like, I need a cigarette. He goes outside and he asks the stage manager for a cigarette. And the, he's in his dressing gown. He's just about to come on for the last scene. Um, goes outside, but the door closes behind him. And he can't get back in. And the dressing gown, obviously, is caught in the door. So he's like dressed all in character. He can't get back in. He's banging the door. They can't hear him. It's a stage door. It's a very thick door. Um has to like it's pissing right so he has to like get out of his dressing gown into his underwear and make his way down the laneway through Times Square to get into the front door of the theatre and it is one of my favourite scenes in all like all films it is phenomenally shot because it's like there's like a parade going on and he's in the middle of Times Square and like there's like a superhero parade which is really weird it's like all people dressed as Spider-Man and Captain America there's like a marching band and then as he makes his way, he's got like a really weird walk going on as well. It's the walk of a guy who's owning his underwear in the middle of the, one of the busiest areas on earth. Is he in his bare feet? Is he in his bare feet as well? I think he would be, yeah. That's what yeah, I thought. That's, that's like, explained the walk. Yeah, because he's like trying to, he's kind of like, ah, it's like kind of, he's like walking on Lego. Um, yeah. And it's, it's really cool. And he's, he's so, so good. And uh, yeah, and then he gets through Times Square. It gets in the front door of the theatre. Sorry, really quick tangent. I actually watched a really terrible film with Al Pacino the other day with my dad, which is awful about him playing an ageing actor. And they copy this scene in it. The oh, what scene. movie is it? It's, I don't know the name of it, but they start, it's really interesting because I'm doing as you like it at the moment for my Shakespeare project in college. And um, uh, I'm playing Jaquiz, which is the character Al Pacino plays in that scene. But anyway, the he does the thing where he can't get way back into the theatre and he's doing Jaquies and then he's like doing all the world's a stage in his head and he like loses track and he can't get back into the theatre and the guy at the front door doesn't recognise him. Anyway, cut back to Birdman, which is the film we're supposed to be talking about. But also, with that movie you were talking about, Danny Collins. Yes, it was! <laughs> ding! <laughs> we need to get the ding in, okay? I think, I think you're going to have to do a, two versions of this podcast. One with the dings in, one without. Or maybe just put the dings I in. I think it's like a Snyder cut of the dings. <laughs> going to have to wait a whole year. I think people are going to be on the edge of their seats to hear that. Anyway... 
Cut back to <laughs> the foyer. <laughs> Al Pacino. <laughs> Al Pacino can't get into the theatre. Cut back to Birdman. There's Danny Collins. That's all I know about. <laughs> name is Danny Collins. That's all you need to know. Al, uh, Bird, Birdman, Michael Keaton, person, guy, is in the foyer. Finally gets back, but oh, he gets recognised on the way, doesn't he? And everyone starts filming. That's important for another scene we're going to talk about very shortly. <laughs> <laughs> Within the next three to four hours. <laughs> he gets filmed. He gets filmed on the way in. And he's, he's getting filmed. And everyone's like, oh my God, it's, it's, that's, that's Regan Thompson. Oh my God, it's the Birdman. And he's like, you know, he's walking. He's to get back to the theatre because he has to make his entrance. Gets in and the guy at the door is like, who are you? Blah, blah, blah. I was like, I'm in the play. Like a bursts open the door at the back of the theatre. Which I think they should have kept in the original for their actual play. They should have kept this. Burst in the back of the door, and he screams. So he's supposed to be banging on the door on stage. Anyway, the, you see, we see from the audience perspective what the stage is like, and he walks down like the the aisle. And I think this is brilliant. He like mm. start. He, so he screams the lines from the from the the <laughs> audience to the stage. Yeah. And he, he goes he knock knock it. knock. Oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he does. I forgot that happens. He goes, he go bang, 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 or knock. Oh, knock, he goes bang, 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 or knock, knock. I can't remember. Yeah, anyway, and then he's like, he's supposed to have a gun, so he doesn't have a gun, so he just uses his hand, and it's so fucking creepy. It's so good, and he's like, I think that monologue is so good as well. I could have been somebody like, but uh, you didn't love me, blah blah blah. And he comes up the stage, <laughs> and it's so good, and all the audience are turning around, going, "Oh my god, this is incredible." Yeah. And what ruins it though is the stage hand slightly, the gun. very, very not slightly hands him the gun <laughs> from the break as he finally gets up, up on stage, and um, bang, he shoot, he shoot. We ruined it now, but he, in the end of the play, he shoots himself in the play version of the play, yeah. and uh, that's the end of the play, and then it's like he goes up to the dressing room and he's eating like weird like ham thing, with, like I don't know, that's really weird. I don't like that scene. It's kind of disgusting. <laughs> is this necessary, Evan? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. None of it's necessary, Gary. We've been here for three hours now. <laughs> we just keep going. <laughs> Cut to him downstairs with Emma Thompson. She's smoking a joint. <laughs> <laughs> Emma Thompson. We haven't mentioned her yet because she's not in the film. <laughs> Emma Thompson. Emma Stone. Sorry, Emma Stone. <laughs> I'd love if it was just Emma Thompson playing Emma Stone's character just randomly. Anyway, um... Cut to cut downstairs. I'll let you back in, in a second. Oh, yeah. I've been placed in the waiting room in Zoom. <laughs> cut back downstairs. So Emma Stone is like, "What about the play tonight?" He was like, "Yeah, yeah." It was a bit. And she was like, "It was weird." And he was like, "Yeah, I know." And then she's like, "It was kind of good, weird though." Then there we get to him being relevant again, and it's like mm. you've kind of went viral. But she's doing this really weird thing with a tissue paper where she's like marking out all the years that the Earth has been been there. Yeah, like, so it was something. It was something they taught her in rehab to kind of realize how, you know, major events can feel so insignificant because basically, for the entire roll of tissue paper, every line you do, that's a year the humans have been it, on the is earth. It, is I it think. like a, a mi- I think it's a, a thousand years. I think it's a thousand years. Yeah. So when they rip off, they rip off that that one sheet of the tissue paper, yeah. and that represents the four hundred thousand years that apparently. Um, Again, <laughs> apparently the humans have been on the earth. Yeah. I have other theories. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to, if you want to, you know, tune into my conspiracy theory podcast, <laughs> which I am also on. Um, yeah. Listen, guys. <laughs> Flat Earth's real. <laughs> There's lizards. There's lizards everywhere. Yeah. Emmett. Can I go to the bathroom, Gary? 
Okay, so I think after this, then is it the is it the, he kind of this is after the final preview? It's gone to shit. Well, it's not gone to shit. Um, yeah. So they finished the final preview. They go downstairs to Emma Thompson. <laughs> um, ah, that's where we're like. He's a celebrity now. <laughs> so Emma Stone, not Emma Thompson, um, has this great monologue about um about him not mattering, uh, which is not a word, but him him having no relevance anymore. But because of the stunt that he pulled. She has this great monologue about um about like social media and stuff and you the fact that this is a whole world that like you're just pretending doesn't exist, but it does exist. And it's like, well, get used to it because guess what? You don't matter. None of this matters. Uh, and it's really good, and it's a really cool character moment. And then he kind of wanders out into the street, and then he goes to the bar that him and Ed Norton have been in, and he finds the critic again, and they have like a, a tit for tat, and she's like, I'm gonna kill your play. And then he's like, I'm a fucking actor. And he like breaks a glass and like he, he, he accuses her of like people who, who can't appreciate art are critics. And it's like the only reason you're a critic is because you, you couldn't make it as an artist. And he picks up a flower and he's like, you don't know what this is. It's just words to you. It's just words. There's nothing in here about technique. There's nothing blah, 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 blah. And he has it out with her <clears throat> and he basically tells her to fuck off. And then she's like, I'm going to kill your play. And then he like downs her drink, downs his drink and then wanders out into the street. And this, we get to my favourite scene of the entire film. And why would that be Emmett Farrell? Um, so, uh, this is actually, uh, it's a funny story about this, right? So we're, he's walking down the street. It's so, it's beautiful cinematography. Like the cinematography is unbelievable, which is class in this film as well. Wanders out back into the street and he like wanders into this uh, uh, off license. But it's like all these yeah. like hanging lights and it's just beautiful. But, like the gingerman. <laughs> yeah, it is yeah, the gingerman of Halloween. Um, yeah. Anyway, he's in the off-license, but it's so beautiful to watch. But in the background, you hear this guy screaming words. And you're like, what's going on here? But he comes out. I'm going to loop back to why this is so cool. He comes out and he like goes down like this. like It's like, kind of like a scaffolding, but it's like there's like a blue light. And there's like a street performer like hanging out of this thing. Mm. And he's screaming uh, this monologue. And then at the end of the monologue, spoiler, the monologue's from Macbeth. It's the out-out speech. Yeah. After Lady Macbeth dies, uh, Macbeth has this amazing speech. Uh, tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow creeps in this petty pace. The last syllable of recorded time. Look it up. It's amazing. Um, and at the end of it, your man goes, was that too much? I was just trying to give you a range. But interestingly, that's the same line that the actor in the first scene that gets hit with the light in the head says to him after he does the first take. Ah. See, I knew you didn't know that. I knew you didn't know that. And I come, it's only got that on like the second, third watch, I think. But he goes, is that too much? I was just trying to give you a range. And he like kind of looks at him and walks off. But the um, the person I saw this bit, um, in the middle of the cinema, as soon as he, start, he started speaking, I, I whispered I whispered to her, I was like, that's just from Macbeth. Um, and she was like, what? And I was like, it's Macbeth. And then uh, it goes on, but it's a brilliant speech. It's my favourite scene in the whole film. It's just beautiful. Yeah. Anyway, he gets and, drunk. And, but I will say, you just say on, on the topic of Macbeth, uh, would be, uh, if I'm allowed, yes, please, mm. thank you. Mm. Uh, one of the things I will say is, um, Be- Macbeth is a funny one because it's almost as if the Birdman is the Lady Macbeth to Michael Keaton's Macbeth in that he pushes 
Birdman is pushing him oh, to do things he doesn't necessarily want to do. Interesting. Um, so and all it's all to do about being popular and being you know the king. Um, oh, so it's this interesting a thing hot of Lady take Macbeth, there, there, Gary. Oh, a hot I'm take from Gary Bride. Hot, that, um, hot, hot. Uh, Polar Express. Off, bing, 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 bing. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I had to get that. Uh, I, I I read that somewhere. I, I think I read that somewhere at the time. That is interesting. Pass, that my own. When I when I um, listen to it though, I, I just think that speech is all about mortality. Yeah. The, it doesn't matter what you do. Like tomorrow, when tomorrow creeps in, this petty face until the last syllable of recorded time. Uh, but it's also about actors. Oh my god! Do you know Macbeth? You're like an actor <laughs> yeah. or something. Oh um, my god! Uh, but like the, when it gets, I to love the, your trilby. But it's also <laughs> shut up. It's also because in that speech, it's also about actors. It it, it equates. Um, and so many like all the Shakespeare plays do this like uh, cut back to Danny Danny Collins and uh, as you like and all the world's a stage and all the men and women really players but like the idea that we are all just performing roles in our lives all the time and this this idea of performance in everyday life and we're all just actors on a stage and that's what Shakespeare is so good at he, he uses all these theatrical metaphors to describe what life is like and in a way that's what this film is doing it's using the metaphor of a theatre and an actor just to to illustrate and tell the story of people going through these these moments of crisis in their lives but in a way that it's all based in theatrical metaphors and, and the line in that speech is um, uh, uh, what is it it's it creeping in this petty face with the last little bit of recorded time um, uh, uh, life is but a walking shadow a poor player that struts and frets his air upon the stage and then is heard no more and the idea that is we are only here for a specific amount of time you scream your heart out whatever and then you're gone and then that's it and and that's what Michael. That's what the character is in that moment. Is is just a poor player who struts and frets his air upon the stage and then is heard no more, uh, which is so so beautiful. And that scene is just gorgeous to watch. Um, sorry, I've I've indulged myself enough now. We can move on with the rest of the film. I just we like should... the fucking explosion later on. There's an explosion. That's really cool. But we should, Transformers. We should, actually, we should sick, actually like... talk about the fact that we haven't spoken about it. The fact that. He still thinks he's a superhero, or we think he actually can do superhero things. Yeah, like there's a few scenes of him like moving shit with his mind. Yeah, and, doesn't and again, he, trash? he doesn't do this around anyone else. Yeah, doesn't yeah, he, he like trashes his, his, his uh, dressing room and shit. But there's like enough that. hints and... to suggest that it's he's not actually. Um, yeah, like the bit like I think he's um, thrashing the dressing room, but he's like moving everything with his mind in his mind, yeah. and then Zach Galifianakis walks in. And he's only he's he's actually doing it. He's he's really smashing up everything. But then he falls asleep on a stoop on Paris Court steps. Um, which is what I like. To <laughs> well, this is this is one of the scenes where the transition is probably the most obvious. In that, like, it literally goes yeah. from day to night while looking at the sky. And this is where you're like, ah, this one was done like in post. Whereas everything else, you could nearly believe that yeah. it was all one take. They just changed the lights. Yeah. They just had the actors do a quick costume change. Yeah. This is the one where you're like. I day. But I love yeah, they, they I, again the, the treatment of time. Like time is one of my favorite concepts to explore in any form. It's why you love Dunkirk so it much. It is why I love Dunkirk so much. Have we mentioned that one already? Um, we did, yeah. Don't and we worry, also I mentioned the yeah. prestige, which is why I love Christopher Nolan. We haven't mentioned Tenet. We haven't mentioned Tenet. <laughs> Fuck off and talk about this movie. But like the idea of like treating time so differently because uh, again, time is one of my favorite concepts explored in any form of art, like in any form of medium, whether it be a play, a film, or a piece of music. Anyway. Falls asleep on Paris Court steps. He wakes up. It's the next day. He's hung over to hell. Uh, we've all been there. Uh, He's had too many porn star martinis from pig. pig. <laughs> yes, exactly. He's had too many Guinness. He didn't get himself a toasty from uh, Hogan's. Grogan's. No, Grogan's. Damn it. It's been closed that long. I've forgotten the name. Um, sad, sad times. 
Anyway, he wakes up and then the Birdman voice comes back to him. But we actually see the Birdman, Birdman, the Birdman, Birdman yeah. in costume. Ah, walk, the Birdman, Birdman. <laughs> the Birdman walking behind him. And then we just go into this really weird. Do you want to talk about this bit? Because I know you like the explosion. <laughs> I don't actually I was just playing a character I was playing a role all the way to the stage um, no like it's this really it's it's funny because it's the scene that was played in the trailers a lot yeah to make people kind of be like oh there might be a bit of action in it but this is literally all the action you see in the movie <laughs> yeah, it's but it's chance. like it's, it's, it's he's reached the point now where he's just like He's deluded that this play is slipping away from him and this was the one thing he thought he was. He thought he was a real actor. He thought he could pull this off and everything is going against him. So he just feels more and more closer to this Birdman persona that he used to be and it's literally manifesting itself around him. He's walking down the street. The Birdman is behind him. Um, funny enough, the, the actual costume is modelled off the same mould of his 1992 Batman costume. Which is which brilliant. I interesting. I mean, it's so cool, um, like... Um, but yeah so it's behind him and then all of a sudden there's like an ex- this SWAT car show up and there's guys with guns and then there's the explosion and then there's a, like a large mechanical this like, is, bird this is the bit shit. where he mentioned Birdman 4 the Birdman persona is like fuck it let's let's go back and do Birdman 4 let's no I think it? I I think that's in the in the interview when it, when they're with the journalist. He's like, "I told you we should have done Birdman. We should have signed on for Birdman 4. Yeah. Uh, the bird the Birdman voice is pretty much Will Arnett as Lego Batman, <laughs> which is uh, fantastic. But... Uh, the Lego movie, <laughs> the Lego movie, great movie, great film. Uh, the Lego recently... Batman movie is also oh. good. <laughs> anyway, but this movie, and, and the one bit where this and the bit where this kind of scene climaxes nearly is that he just begins to fly. He floats. Oh, yeah, he he floats levitates up. upwards and then like flies throughout. Um throughout New York, back to the theatre, and what's great is... Oh, no, we missed a bit. We, we missed this... a bit. He's on he's on a roof, doesn't he? He levitates up and he's st- on the rooftop. This is also one of my yeah. favourite bits. So he's on the roof and a lad shouts over to him, you all right, man? And he's like, yeah, brilliant. But in the background, you can see a poster from Man of Steel. Yeah. Uh, another film, <laughs> which I watched recently, which is fantastic. The music's Jesus. unbelievable. Russell Crowe, fantastic. I will find him! <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, I told Barry, but I was watching my brother, and I was like, we got to that bit, and I was like, wait for it. He says it three times. He goes, I will find him. 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 <laughs> it's brilliant. And then he gets frozen in that weird gloopy ice. This move. Anyway, yeah, then back like to dick. Birdman. Anyway, it's so interesting to see that, and then he jumps off the roof, and he flies back to the theater, and then he lands outside the theater, walks in. And then when you think, oh my God, is he actually a superhero? The taxi man <laughs> jumps out and he's like, hey, hey, he didn't pay me. He didn't pay me. And you're like, oh, he's not really a superhero. Yeah. It's all delusions uh, you, of you grandeur. You tried to get one over on me, but I'm <laughs> sussed it. I'm no Morton Scorsese, but I'll fucking, I spotted <laughs> this wound, one. You wouldn't buy one chance of saying illusions of grandeur, which is the one phrase I wanted to get into this. And I was waiting for this moment in the film to say it. And you've ruined it. And, you, and you've said it anyway. I've said so it, it doesn't really fucking anyway, matter. Anyway, skip the last forward. performance. The last performance. We're finally at the, the open preview where the, the critic is coming to the preview. Um, and uh, it's she's going to kill the play. Anyway, so we kind of skip forward in time a bit. And they're like already halfway through the preview. Mm-hmm, and he's in his yeah, dressing room. Yeah. And he's talking to his wife. And this is where we get this brilliant story about he was on a plane. And... Um, he was on the plane and two seats in front of him was George Clooney. It's really hard to actually hear this though. You kind of have to listen to it really carefully. Yeah. The dialogue is really badly. It's almost like uh, the dialogue in tennis. You can't really hear anything. Anyway, he tells his story to his wife about it. He was on a plane with George Clooney 
and the plane nearly crashed. And um, he says to his wife, he's like, if that plane crashed, the only person who'd be on the headline would be George Clooney and not him. And it's like this really weird thing. And it's like, I don't know, it's a really weird story to put in right at the end. Um, anyway, so he goes down and he's getting ready for the final scene and it's his entrance is coming up. And then this this whole bit is just brilliant. Um, you're gonna have to indulge me. I'm gonna do it. Do you want to say anything before we before I go no, on? No, I'm, I'm, I'm actually I'm I'm I'm, I'm watching Batman <laughs> 1992. <laughs> You've just checked out the podcast. You're just doing something completely different. You're actually recording next week's one uh, while I'm just <laughs> just chatting away to myself. Um, and I'm enjoying. No, like I. I Enjoy, I'm really enjoying it. I'm not gonna like as much as I'm pretending like, ooh, I'm really enjoying your take on it. Um, so please keep going. And the hands, the hands are they're everywhere. Anyway, so the wife the wife leaves the dressing room and he's getting ready to go on for the final scene, which is the one we've seen three times go disastrously wrong. Yeah. He gets a he gets uh, he goes up to the top of his dressing room, gets a box down, opens the box, and takes out a real gun. And you know it's a real gun instantly. And this is what mm. I love about this scene. The suspense of it building up to it going, oh my God, is he actually, is he actually going to do it? And he like kind of cocks it really calmly, puts it in his trousers and then the drums. But you can see there's, there's bullets in it as well. They look like the, blanks as well. Mm, yeah. But the idea, the, the thing I love about this is the drum soundtrack stopped about 20 minutes ago before, after, after he goes through the Times Square, after he comes on and when he does the bar scene, falls asleep, the Macbeth bit, the whole Birdman sequence when he becomes the Birdman is flying is yeah. all a different soundtrack. Yeah, and yeah. this is the moment when he takes the gun out. The drums come back in for the first time for about I think about half an hour, which is really interesting. And you just hear like one little drum roll, and you're like, "Oh, here we go!" <laughs> and he makes the walk that he made in the first scene down to the stage, and he goes on. And he knocks on the door and he goes on stage and he does the scene and it's going really well. Um, and it's something like I don't matter or it's, it's all like everything that's been that's what I love about plays so much they kind of weave um, it's called weaving the, the thread I think the, 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 the writing phrase is called it takes threading the needle threading <laughs> uh, sobbing metaphors uh, <laughs> you knew I'd get Mary Poppins in there somewhere yeah <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, so it like weaves and that final scene finally makes sense because we don't really see it done properly and it's kind no. of all fragmented. And that's what I love about what I love so much about theatre. My favourite type of theatre is when like all these different things are like kind of mentioned or hinted at and then they all kind of come together in a moment of like revelation to form an image or form something in a speech or whatever it is. Um, it kind of takes all these things that you're not really sure what's why they're there brings them all together in a moment and you're like, oh, it's like a magic trick uh, to reference the prestige once more. It kind of like, the, the that's what all good theatre does. Like it shows you something or like it tells you something and you're not really sure why, or not all theatre, but my favourite type of theatre does this. It's like it shows you something or it mentions something and then you're like, oh, I don't know why that's, and it kind of does something in the middle. We're like, whoa, I didn't expect that. And then it brings everything together in this weird way to form something that you never expected to happen. And it's like that scene in this final moment finally makes sense. And then at the end of it, he turns out to the audience and gets the gun and shoots himself in the head. And you're like, the audience go, oh! and then everyone stands up and gives a stand ovation. And you're like, oh my God, what, what just happened? And then the critic just gets up and walks out of the theatre. And then it cuts. And I think, I think this is the one, one time the one shot breaks, isn't it? 
I don't think th- I think this is the only time it breaks. Yeah, because I don't know how they would have got to the hospital. Yeah, so I don't think so. Anyway, it cuts to hospital scene, and he's a, he's in bed, and he's like, "Oh no, it's the elevator first, isn't it? It's Zach Galifianakis in the yeah, elevator." Yeah, it's like this going up. Yeah, comes into the room and it's like, "Hey, buddy, how you doing?" And he like cuts to him, and he's got like no nose. He's like <laughs> he's got like this big tape on his nose that looks like a beak. <laughs> that looks like a beak, and he looks like Birdman, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, Emma Stone's in the room blah 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 they have kind of a conversation and then they give him the, the review and uh, Tabitha Dickinson I think the uh, the character's name is the yeah. critic gives them the review and she uh, Zach Galifianakis reads out the review and it's like uh, uh, Regan Thompson has given birth to a new form of theatre which can only be described as hyper realism mm. <laughs> and it's like again going back to all the things I hate about actors in the modern day yeah. like Jack Jacqueline Phoenix like purposely getting knocked over and stuff Wait, shooting himself with a real gun what was the name of the what was the name of the review Oh, I don't know. Oh, the unexpected virtue of ignorance. There we go. Correct. It all comes full circle. Oh my word. It's almost like they did it on purpose. Um, Basically, they have a big conversation. Everyone leaves. He's left on his own. He goes into the bathroom, takes off the, the thing on his nose and he looks in the mirror and he's like, Jesus Christ. And then who pops in behind him? Oh no, he's on the toilet, isn't he? Birdman, yeah, the Birdman yeah. persona's taking a shit on the toilet, and uh, or he's peeing sitting down. Oh, he could be we peeing sitting down. Sure. Who pees sitting down? Birdman. Bird, I don't apparently know. they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he's like, "This is gonna be fucking awesome." And then he goes to the window and he looks out, and it's like, and then the music, the Birdman theme starts. And like, oh. Mm. The superhero we orchestral music starts. I love how much of our all music plays in this as well. Um, and it's like, oh, hang on. And he's looking at the birds outside the window. And then it cuts back to Emma, Th- Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson shows up again. <laughs> Emma Stone. She's like, oh, wrong movie. I'm meant to be a nanny McPhee. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Emma Stone comes into the room and she's like, dad, dad, where are you? Um, that's my really terrible American accent. She goes to the window. And she looks down and then she looks up. No, wait, we skipped a bit. When he gets shot on stage, I'm going to skip back before the last reveal. Okay. I'm going to skip back, right? When he gets shot, isn't there a really weird montage where he sees all the dancing people from Times Square on stage? And then you yeah. see the you see the jellyfish. I don't understand the yeah. thing about the jellyfish. That's can do you, do you have anything on that? So at the beginning of the movie, there's an opening credits and there's a brief image of a jellyfish on the beach uh, and then which figures in this which features in the story that Regan tells his ex-wife about how he once failed to kill himself um, and then at the end of the movie there's a scene with the jellyfish again after Regan survives the bullet to the head so it's something to do with uh, times where he kills yeah, himself he's a jellyfish it, uh, again in that story again the dialogue's really hard but doesn't he walk out into the sea or something isn't that mentioned I think yeah. I think he walks out there's like two close calls with death like you like you said the audio was fairly yeah, crappy it really is that. you need to watch that bit with the subtitles um, so he walks out into the sea apparently and blah 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 he doesn't end up killing himself because the jellyfish oh yeah now I remember brilliant um, he like walks out into the sea tried to kill himself but a jellyfish stings him so he gets back to shore and he oh, doesn't he feel like all this heat on his body that's what it is he feels all this heat in his body and the jellyfish everywhere around him and then also the bit with George Clooney where he nearly dies in the plane crash so where after he shoots himself he sees all the people from Times Square like dancing on the stage uh, all the superheroes like the Spider-Man the Iron Man masks and stuff which is really surreal and weird which I love um, and then it cuts to like the images of the jellyfish and then the plane kind of you see it crashing but it's like the plane didn't yeah. really crash 
but did it? Who knows? Mm. Was it all just a dream? Inception! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, cut to the last moment of the whole film. Emma Stone comes back into the room. Regan is nowhere to be found. Michael Keaton is nowhere to be found. Goes to the window. Looks out the window. You hear the drum beat. And you also hear the orchestral sound, if I'm not mistaken. And then she looks down. But she looks up. Smiles. And boom, cut to black, credits. What a movie. Trilby drop. <laughs> Trilby drop. What a filmmaker. Um, so we got there great. in the end. We got, to... got there in the end. But like, um, what do you... Okay, here we go. This is the last bit. What do you think happened? Oh, he, he jumped off and killed himself. And then she's gone back. She's she's like, she's gone crazy. And she looks up and she can't... Uh, she's no, she's going to go back, I, onto, I just... gonna back on the drugs. What drug is she addicted to? Is it heroin? I... Uh, uh, yeah, I think it's her. I think so. I know she's smoking weed. She's smoking weed more than the scenes, but I think it's her. Um, yeah. Um, no, I yeah, I don't think. No, I I think, I think that's just we we want her to look up, as mm. in I think she just looks down and that's just that's that's it. Yeah. Um, but do you think he killed himself before that? Do you think he got the really good review? Do you think he shot himself? On yeah, stage? I think he got the. I think he got the good review. Uh, because like, look, it, like this is so. Well, like, yeah, I think he did kill himself after because then he realized everyone's sympathetic to him because they saw the New York Times, the, 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 the Times Square footage. They were like, oh, he's gassed. Yeah. Then he does the best performance of his life. And then he's like, right, if I die now, everyone will be like, oh, my God, he's taking this prime, blah, blah, blah. Because he knows what it's like after this. He knows it's you think he's that co- Do you think here. he's that cognitive? He's a bit out of it now. I mean, the Birdman has taken a wee sitting down like. Yeah, I don't know. No, I just think he's just like this is maybe not, but I just think he's like I'm Birdman. I'm gonna fly and yeah, I think I, th- I, I think, think he's just I think what happens is sorry, I'm just gonna put in. I think there's lots of theories about it, but I, I don't care about any of these theories after the fact. I just love the movie for what it is. Like yeah. it, it in of itself. Like don't try and understand it. Just try to feel it. Another Christopher Nolan quote. Anyway, I don't care what happens after he shoots himself. For me, that's the end of it, right? But I think. If I was to analyse that last bit, it would be like he gets the good review and he his his illusions of grandeur about himself are confirmed. They're like it's almost like it's like um all the things he's been thinking about himself as an actor. It's like I'm the best, I'm the best, I'm the best, but no one realizes it. And then everyone realizes it. So it's like all of those things he thought about himself are are proven to be true. And it's like, so, well, I so obviously am a bloody, I obviously am a bloody superhero, and I obviously can fly out this window right now. Um, and then he tries to, and obviously he doesn't. I he doesn't, yeah. and he falls to his death. Um, which yeah. is interesting, but what a film! Like, I remember watching the end of it, going, "What?" Uh, no one can see my eyebrows on this, but they were very high. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, and it, it it's weird. It's one of those first, it's one of those movies where it was probably the first time I was like, I want this to win the Oscar, and I think it has a shot of it. Like it's the first time I remember actively yeah. thinking this stands a great chance because it didn't. And if it Boyhood didn't... goes anywhere near that because <laughs> it didn't um, win. Boyhood won everything else. Like Boyhood won like all the awards, Golden Globes, blah did blah, it? blah. Yeah, it won. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, won yeah, all the best ones, and I think that was like Michael Keaton's last chance to win Best Actor as well at the Oscars. And I think if it had been yeah. any other year, he would have won it. Yeah. Again, I, like Eddie Redmayne winning for Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne that was fucked. always gonna. You can get so fucked. 
He can get so fucked. He was like, always going to win, though, man. man. So, Even, like, no, Benedict, Cum- Benedict Cumberbatch was nominated and he knew he wasn't going to win. Like, there's a great bit in the Oscars ceremony where he's, like, just drinking whiskey because he just, like, it's, like, a funny yeah. prior day yeah, thing. That, yeah. But um, he's, like, he knows he doesn't, he's not going to win because he's up against such great actors. But, like, I just feel like ah, maybe he should have won. It is a better performance, in my opinion. But I just, yeah. again, Theory of Everything is a great film. It's not a great film. It's not a great film. They're great performances. Uh, what's her yeah. name? The 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 actor who plays his wife in it is fantastic. She's in Rogue One. Uh, Felicity Jones. Felicity Jones, phenomenal actor. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. But yeah, it's 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 one of it's one of um, like I said, now it's one definitely cement itself in my top three movies of all time. It's one of the best movies that we've done for the podcast for sure uh, it's it's just a phenomenal movie that I am so glad that we got you I say we it's me and the bird <laughs> persona I also have uh, but I'm so glad you came on to do it I, th- uh, I, I think I, I'm I, just I, gonna go watch it now like I, I haven't seen it here but after talking about it, I'm like I really want to watch that film again yeah, and I, I hope I like to think you've also inspired other people to go. Uh, what you call it? Watch it as they well. They don't need to watch it after this podcast, Gary. No. They got the full uh, that, lowdown. That, I think this is about better than the film. other films. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to know how many films we've actually made. I, I, I look at the end of the, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to I I've given myself a fucking nightmare of an editing job to do, but look, we'll power we'll power through. Um, but yeah, no, I like, we'll find it. We'll find it. But I can guarantee you, none of those movies will be better than the one that we. Yeah discussed here and i had a fantastic time listening to you talk about it. so emmett i want to say thank you very much for coming listen on. thank you for having me and, and thank you for finally we finally made it happen um uh, and due to popular demand i'm sure i won't be back <laughs> but uh no i had a lot of fun and it was it was great it was really really good and again i'm so glad i didn't watch it before we did it because rediscovering it through the conversation was even more fun um <laughs> And just being like, oh my God, yeah, that happens. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's in a tanning bed. Yeah, doesn't he? God, why is there so many people in their underwear? And, oh, I finally figured it out. It's all about vulnerability. Boom, done. Another trilby right. drop. That's it. Trilby <laughs> drop. We'll leave it there. So um, so again, thanks, Emmett. I want to thank everyone that's listened to this and any of the other ones. Uh, if you want to know when new ones are coming out, you can follow at Reeling on the Peers on Instagram. You can follow on your Spotify, subscribe on your Apple Podcasts. Go on, leave a five-star review, and then if I read it, I'll get real, you know, like, um, you know, empowered, and I'll jump out of a fucking window and think I'm on bird. <laughs> uh, so again, thank you very, very much. We hope you enjoy. Goodbye.